0: Please listen carefully. Hi, I'm Paul Frields. And I'm Dave Guzman. And this is Practical Bass, where each week we pick a topic of interest to you, the working bass player, and we take it apart and look at it from a different perspective and hopefully give you some wisdom that will help you take your gigs and your gear to the next level. You can find us on the web at practicalbase.com. You can email us at podcast at practicalbase.com at any time. We love to read feedback from our listeners, so please don't be shy. If you don't want to find us there, you can reach out to us on Facebook, on Instagram, Google+, Twitter. Just search for Practical Base. Um, by the way, you can subscribe to this podcast as well and get a fresh episode every week. And we hope that you'll share it with your friends Uh, Not necessarily just bass players, but also other musicians. We do try and cover things that uh, we think will be useful for musicians of all stripes now and then. And uh, we hope that uh, you'll feel free to share it with your friends and loved ones as we do. Uh, What are we going to talk about today, Dave? Today we get to talk about buying that beater. Buying the beater. That project bass. Yeah. So I don't know how many people in the audience... Have done this right but Mm -hmm. so just this actually came out of this is one of those things that we love doing in this podcast right which is you know we've something happens in one of our lives and we're like oh we have the story to tell like i had this gig last night dot 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 or you know i ran into so and so and i was chatting with them and suddenly it kind of becomes a story on the podcast yeah that's how this happened
1: right yeah. These are my favorite. These are like real-time stories.
0: Yeah. So, so how did we get, how did we get to this one?
1: So I had, um, this is, this is a Dave
0: story. I love Dave stories.
1: So I'm, uh, I'm wrapping up a project and I wanted kind of that trophy piece out of a project. And I I find like a base I'm like, I want that second bass. I need a second bass. I'm I'm just gonna do it. Yeah. I find a certain bass that I want. I can't even remember what it was. Maybe it was like a Gretsch or something along those lines. And then and then um a bandmate of mine says, Bro, you just need to get a P bass. And within like ten minutes, I thought, You're totally right.
0: You caught the fever.
1: That was it. And then <laughs> It was like forty eight hours of mayhem in
0: my mind. I will admit, I feel like everybody needs a P bass. Honestly,
1: it, it is. Once you taste it, it's true. It it is.
0: It's like the thing they say. So I, I had a friend who always said this. He said that the the Fender Precision Bass, the P bass, is like it's a one trick pony, but it is a really good trick and a really good pony. <laughs> And a long-lasting pony, giddy up! <laughs> so you caught the fever. And so I got the fever. I will. I will tell our <laughs> listening audience. I got a number of texts during the following two Paul, days.
1: Follow his nose when the fevers kicking in.
0: Because <laughs> random hours, <laughs> random questions. I got a lot of texts, <laughs> and yeah, but it was cool though because you were like, yeah. but you would you had the you had you had the severe. Uh, attack of the gas it
1: was it really bad i mean i'm like running this to the stores like before 10 minutes to close yeah. frantically i'm I'm on every website searching or whatever
0: yeah. yes by the way for for those who don't know it gear acquisition syndrome some of our readers may be wondering why we're talking about your intestines but that is not it that is not <laughs> it it is the feeling that you need to go buy some equipment
1: it's it could be worse than gas.
0: Yeah, yeah, it could be worse than the intestinal it's, kind.
1: It's very yeah, yeah. So I went, um, so I went around the horn. I mean, I, I, and you know, I circled around everything. I mean, yeah, I, I, I was comparing. Basically, it came down to I was comparing like Mexican to American, Mexican to American, going back and forth, back and forth. How much do I spend? What my budget looks like? Right. Get to a point where I'm leaving a shop like playing a seventy five. Pays, yeah. And
0: I'm thinking about selling a car, yeah, to get in, to get that like a vintage American. Yeah. The funny thing is, I remember starting out playing, and this was, you know, this would have been, gosh, 1989, 1990. Mm-hmm. Around then, that's when I started playing, right. And I remember a few years after that, looking at what it would take to get, um, you know, a classic instrument right and at that time people were like 75 that's crap you know right. like so it's only like 15 <laughs> years old or something like right that. it's literally just like it's just a used you know it's like po- you know post right cbs or whatever yeah or it's not pretty cbs i guess it'd have to be post cbs right Or maybe it's in cbs anyway the point being people would always like, they turn up their noses yeah. if it wasn't before like that 1965 turnover or whatever. Mm. And the 60, you know, the early sixties ones were, you know, they were still pretty expensive, not as expensive as they are now, but you know, pretty high priced. Yeah. And now people look back at the 75s and they're like, oh my gosh, yeah, totally. Cause yeah, you put 40 some years on an instrument it really like weathers in a nice way and right, you know, the wood sits in, et cetera, et cetera yeah so you were looking at seventy five and then yeah I was like I was
1: instantly in love and yeah. I'm like, all right, so yeah. I hop in the car, true story, hop in the car, <laughs> drive home, I decide to stop at the pawn shop that's like two blocks from my house. yeah that's how sketchy my neighborhood is, first of all, <laughs> sorry, that's a joke. <laughs> I live in a downtown area. So yes, two blocks away, there's a pawn yeah. shop. And yeah. I walk in there and there's, you know, your typical pawn shop, six guitars and one bass. Yeah. Right. And it's, and it's a Mexican jazz. Yeah. Sitting there, I think price tag at like 250 Right. I I ask him if I could plug it in. He gives me like the worst like speaker
0: ever to plug it into. Yeah. I'm you're like, never going to find like, oh, here's, here's a nice working bass amp where you can hear the the true sound of this instrument. No, it was like it was like, it
1: was like an AM FM transmitter. I had to like <laughs> dial in and dial in this sound. It comes out of like a three-inch tweeter. <laughs> and it was beat up. Yeah. It was in bad shape. I could tell. I, there were things about it, but I just told him, I, you know, all I had on me was $140 in cash Yeah, from a gig before. Yeah. So I said, $140 and I'm out of here. And he said, I'll take it. Yeah. So that's how you do it, man. Cash I from, in hand. I went from huge
0: dreams to like the beater for 140 <laughs> bucks.
1: Equally is <as> happy,
0: <laughs> and you don't have any of that buyer's remorse. Nobody's going to no. be unhappy spending 140 dollars for an instrument. No, that's like the cost of strings these days. And and <laughs> and so and so here's the thing. And you brought it over here, right? right. And, and you know we looked at it, and and it, it was in good shape. Yeah, the neck was true. The frets were not, you know, beat to crap. Right um it the 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 fret job on it was actually i mean it was in it was all in decent shape the neck actually felt to me felt really nice yeah um you know it was it was a little heavy but not terribly so Mm -hmm. not terribly so i mean there's a lot of old instruments you get that are you know every bit as heavy as that one if not more. and uh you know the wood was in good shape most of the heart some of the hardware was in good shape yeah and you know the, you look at it that way and it's like a body and a neck mm-hmm. that are in decent shape. You got those for hundred and forty bucks right. essentially. Exactly. You did okay. And a project. And you have yeah, and and you know, what's the learning experience gonna be Right, worth?
1: like a guilt-free project. It's not yeah. like I'm taking the thousand dollar base and you're not yeah, you're not taking
0: food out of your family's mouth or like <laughs> with a drill. <laughs> that's a year of college gone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is you know what the, i actually at right. one point i was like ah, if i got this maybe i could actually I might be able to hold on to it and then actually pay for college that way right. but No, <laughs> that you'll never no. let it go no that's uh, not <laughs> you never let it go yeah i wouldn't do it so so why i guess so that now we know why you why you got there like what are some of the things that you're looking at for fixing up on the space
1: Mhm. So the first, I guess like one of the the main pieces when I'm looking at it, you know, there there are some issues with it, right? Like the uh, the tone dial spins forever and doesn't actually impact anything.
0: Oh yeah, that was my that it's was broken. my favorite feature. Yeah, I told you. Turn the tone dial, see what happens. That's that's one of those things where like you could probably do that for like you're like trolling somebody who like pretends that they can hear oh like can you hear that like who what was it and i'm not saying he can't but i'm saying eric johnson had this thing where he he said that he could tell which batteries were Mm. in the preamp (laughs) in his guitar or something like that it was like the goofiest thing like he (laughs) can tell which batteries were in it. i'm like i there's a point where i'm like okay you're a great player. Like no one's doubting that. That's right. But, like, come on. You got to draw a line, right? Like that thing's. That seems like the thing you should put in front of that guy. And just like have, <laughs> he turns in and he's like, "Oh, can you hear the difference now? Okay. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. much clearer now." <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. So, I'm sure there are people out there who have. Like those eagle ears, like that. You probably, and of course, when they actually spin the knob like this one. Oh, when they and finally it just keeps yeah, going.
1: If they, if,
0: yeah. after, like they, after they pass
1: go and it just keeps going, then they know, wait a second.
0: It literally was. You could, like, you're rolling around and it'll be like, <laughs> you just keep spinning yeah, it. it. It would be like, you know, you hit the $10,000 jackpot or <laughs> what was the one? <laughs> there was one that you like, you bust and all your money's gone. right.
1: <laughs> keep getting more tone and more <laughs> P based tone and more tone more tone and then the bass blows up <laughs> <laughs> so yeah there so, was yeah. that but connected to that is going to be of course getting um pickups right right uh, like, to me it felt like that was the the first like easy piece to kind of take on was to just upgrade the the yeah. electronics well
0: you've heard it right? now like you've actually yeah. been able to plug it in at home you have a nice amp setup now and yeah you plugged it in you're like hmm yeah clearly not moving me right So,
1: and so what'd you pick up for that? So, I picked up the um, so I just went with the classic, like the 62 Fender P base, yeah,
0: Fender custom 62s. That's it. They are, yeah, those are, those are some good sounding pickups. And there are lots of replacement pickups out there, right? Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's one, you know, only one among many. I know there's like, there are Seymour Duncan's, you could go like, oh, I want to go active, and you could buy all sorts of things for that, EMGs or this, that, and the other, right? Um, there's a guy down the road from us, Lindy Fralin. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, he's not giving us any money, folks. Just we're reminding you we do yep. not like we're not we we don't uh <laughs> we don't have like paid sponsorships, but I have two basses that have Lindy Fralin and pickups in them and they're both they're two of my favorite instruments. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, one of huh. them is that is that old it's a Japanese Sting
1: that does model, okay.
0: that that 53 uh it's like a 53 reissue i
1: had no idea that makes perfect sense then yeah
0: it has lindy Fraylin pickups in it okay and split and that's why it's like completely silent and sounds amazing yep and then the other one is my white my white lakeland right um has you know uh has lindy frail jazz yeah pickups in it and oh man they're they're so good like that's that instrument is never leaving this house i mean right it's never leaving my possession again i'll yeah. take it to gigs i take it to gigs all the time but it's never yeah i'm never gonna get rid of that thing at least not without taking this pick right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> you gotta keep the old ones just to yeah. run back in
0: but anyway so yeah so i mean like so a couple of things that you've talked about then are um you know number one sometimes the the some of the hardware that you find that goes bad are like you mm-hmm. know, knobs Right, and it may yep. be the the pot may be busted. It could be just the knob. Right, his connection is busted. But you know, electronics like that are not. It's not expensive to get a nice, uh, you know, to get a, a you know a nice new pot and you know set of knobs put into a base. Yep, is not very expensive. It's not. No, you know, and and these are things that you you can do yourself with, um, you know, some limited equipment like. Basically all you need is some uh some colored wire, you know, preferably like if you have different clad, you know, uh color cladding on your wires. Mm-hmm. That way you can kind of like do the wiring and be, you know, careful with it. You can find tons of wiring diagrams on the web that will literally just yeah. tell you, here's how to wire a standard, you know, precision base right. pickup. And uh and and a soldering iron mm-hmm. and some solder. Uh, you know standard standard rules of engagement apply right like you know be careful with the business end of a soldering iron because you (laughs) burn yourself really (laughs) badly the the guy who has done that yeah so yeah but you know that this stuff is like it's not hard to do you can watch a ton of youtube videos i mean we could probably do shows later about how to do this kind of stuff but right so so you talked so hardware like the electronics yeah hardware and the pickups what about the other hardware on the base? What about like the bridge? Yeah. T- talk about the bridge a little bit.
1: So the bridge, um, the bridge is like typically like what you would expect on that
0: base, right? And so, yeah, it's like it was just a standard like a uh, you know plate, like a yep. bridge standard plate bridge with the the um, T bar um, right. saddles.
1: So what I was um, so one of the things, and, and I'm not quite there yet, but just considering. And one of the things that made me really like fall in love with some of the P basses that I was playing were the ones that were string through. And I'm still like in this deciding mode whether it's really worth it. But the sound is to me like I could feel that difference when I was. And it could have been just the basses that I was playing. But for like right before I did that, I just did the like the Mexican and the American like side by side, fifteen minutes on each. So I could really start to feel like what those differences were. Yeah. And they're, you know, one of them was just, it just felt like the, it was the resonance. It was like the sustain just felt like yeah. it was almost like there was like a, with the string through, it felt as though there was like a compressor sort of built in. Mm-hmm. Like it it just kept pushing it out a little bit yeah. further. Yeah. But it could have been in my head, right? Because you get to that point where you're just like, you yes, want it. To. You
0: got it. Yeah, you got to do it blind. That's the only yeah. way to be to be scientific yeah. quality. And
1: I'm very it. emotional about these yeah. things, so yeah. like, I yeah. I give my my head a lot of credit. I'm yeah. like, yeah, it's it's you.
0: Yeah, that's why I you know I would never get on the the web and claim really one versus the other, but you know because it could be it could be an unconscious bias. About yeah. It, so,
1: but some of the other so like. Some of the other like the quick fix cool things about buying the beater for me is that, and we spent a lot of time talking about it, is that there's just a lot of like setup and cleanup.
0: Yeah, that's, that's just like, little things.
1: Literally, like just so, elbow grease. Well,
0: so let's yeah, let's like let's let's talk a little bit about like what is involved in this kind of project. Because yeah. I feel like you know we we we've looked at your base as a good example, and there are all sorts of things that we you know that that can be done on your base but you know here like i I think maybe this would be the right place to insert some tips for people and say hey if you're looking at buying a beater base here are a couple things to look for right and these all worked out well for the base that that you got Mm -hmm. And i think number one is look at the wood you know look at the the body and the neck you know is the body in good shape I mean, Mm -hmm. it's okay if it's got dings and dents and right, but has it been? I mean, is it is it chipped or cracked anywhere? Does it look like you know it's it's taken a fall? If the paint is cracked through from somewhere, from one place, and you find multiple you know multiple cracks, there's a good chance that that thing got you know it got whacked, and I mean hard, right? It it takes a good whack, and that's indicative of you know, somebody not caring for it. And in a way that maybe if it took that kind of impact, Mm -hmm. it could have actually affected the wood under the body, you know, under the body paint. Right. So you got to be careful of that, you know? Yeah. If you find like missing, especially if you find like a tail pin that's missing, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you got to look and see. Like, are there cracks coming around that tail pin? If there are, mm-hmm. that you got to be careful because that could be like l- somebody literally dropping it on the ground, and and it and it could crack. Like, you you could be looking at something where underneath the paint, like the body is, could you know, could be separating, or something right. Like that at that point, right? But you know, other than that, okay. And some you look around the joint where the neck meets the body, and how yep. does that look? tiny little there's often a, you know you find often these little hairline cracks mm-hmm. around the joint on some bases that's not a disaster it's not great but it's not a disaster either it might be fine yeah um the thing about your base that that i really noticed was the neck was really bad i mean it was badly bowed like right. the action was so high yeah. it wasn't it didn't even count as just high action anymore yeah <laughs> it was it was crazy yeah. how, next level yeah yeah it was an uh, yeah the next level of bow um <laughs> but but you can fix that if you're looking at a neck the neck doesn't have to be flat and the action doesn't have to be good what you want to look for is is the action very different on one side than the other right and you look down like look down from the headstock toward the body And see if the frets are lining up level Mm -hmm. down to the body. Like, does it look like a flat railroad, like that you could, you know, that like a train could run down this very flat, or does it look more like the train would kind of be taking a an incline, like a curve or something, right? Through, you know. And if you're seeing that, the neck's got a twist, and and this sounds. This sounds finicky, but, you know, when you look at the whole base, like if you look from the headstock and you point it towards a light, you hold it up and stick Mm -hmm. the body towards a light and hold on to the, you know, have the headstock at your eye and kind of sight down the base, you can see pretty clearly if the frets are starting to kind of turn in one direction or the other. Right. And that's usually not a good sign. Right. Not all twists are un, unfixable and not all twists are fatal. But if if it's really bad, you that might be something to think about, like in terms of here's what I'm gonna buy this base for. And mm-hmm. then if the neck turns out unserviceable, you could, you know, buy another neck or something. Right. Right. Yeah. But yours is in good shape. That's why I love it. Like sighting it down towards the right. light. Like it looked good. It looked solid. It looked like it was straight and and uh I mean it had the it had bad action it had the same bad action everywhere <laughs>
1: <laughs> equal bad good. action well no because because yeah.
0: we checked the action right we did that thing where you you know you hold down we talked about this on a mm. previous practical bass episode and hopefully our listeners can go back and listen but you know hold down to the first fret some people will tell you the last fret that's not technically that's not right because mm. what you find way down the way down the bass is not going to be as much of a factor in the action as yep. towards the headstock. So, right, you hold down like the first fret and like the fourteenth fret, mm-hmm. and then usually about unless you have really big hands, mm-hmm. about as far as you can stretch your thumb up. Like what I do is like I'll hold the first fret with one hand, yep, and then I'll hold my pinky down on the fourteenth fret. My other my other hand's pinky right down on the my hands are not that big. Uh, hold yep. my other hand down on the fourteenth fret, pinky, and then reach as far up as I can my thumb and I can about reach the seventh fret, which is basically right in between. Right. And if you can, if the space there is more than the height of a business card. Yep. And I literally mean a paper business card, Mm -hmm. not a super highfalutin business card, but like a normal business card. If it's more than that, eh, you know, probably need to check the action, but you can check each string the same way. Right, and they they usually will get it'll get slightly more towards the base side. That's fine, but if you find that it's like way different from one side to the next, mm-hmm. oh well, this one's kind of like a business card, but then on this side it's more like a, you know, like the width of a, a ballpoint pen, or something. right? I
1: don't know something. A crazy. stack of credit cards.
0: Yeah, yeah, like three credit cards or something <laughs> like that. That may be a that may be a bad sign. Yeah, yeah. And like I say, yours was not like that. I mean, it was the action was high, but it was nothing that right. couldn't be fixed.
1: Yeah. It clearly, like to me, it just looked like whoever had it before just didn't take the yeah. time to like get to know, yeah. you know, how the setup should be. Yeah. Whatever owner that was probably wasn't the original owner because it they get figured out it was like a ninety six or something like that. So there's yeah. probably a few owners in there.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely could have been, or it could have been, you know, somebody bought it on a whim and they put it away, or maybe yep. they just stuck it in a corner and it just sat there, and the neck just kept bowing over time or whatever because nobody right. looked at it or anything. And the strings were dead, and right? They don't, yeah, yeah, and they don't come in good shape from the factory anyway. Like setups are never that good from the factory, right? Anyway, so you know this will probably be the first setup that it gets in its lifetime, right? Um, you think other, it'll you think it'll say thank you? It could. It could. It might very well thank us. It might sing. You um. The other thing we looked at is that um. The truss rod, right? Um. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, uh,
0: Mexican instruments at that in that time frame, like the nineties, their truss is up at the up at the headstock. That's right. where you can adjust theirs, as opposed to like a lot of the American bases, and you know, even some I think some more modern, um, um, imports mm-hmm. have the truss adjustment at the joint at the right the joint where the the neck hits the the body right the unfortunate thing is of course those are more trouble because you have to take the neck off to adjust them yeah. and yours has the truss entry at the at the top
1: mm-hmm.
0: um i remember looking in it and then like it was kind of a mess in there like it looked like it had kind of gathered a lot of dust and and crud up in there so and what does that mean just that it probably sat forever that no one's adjusted yeah. that thing yeah
1: I, it, it hasn't had a setup or, i'm telling you yeah
0: i'm, I'm telling you like I, I i bet you know a dime to a dollar or is it a dollar to a dime whichever way i lose more mm-hmm. i would bet i would put more mm-hmm. money on the line right to say that that base sat in somebody's room uh f- you know uh out of a case yep standing up upright on a stand or in a yep. corner or something like that and just Dust fell in there for years and years and years. Yep. Because that's what it looked like in there.
1: Yeah. And there was one era where somebody used it because it's all scratched up. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a short period of time and then they gave it up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then it just sat there. And they didn't do a lesson on how to string the bass because it strung improperly. Yep. yep. The strings were a mess. And uh, you know, and of course we know this, but you know, well, let's tell our audience just to be make sure you know. Never judge the instrument by its strings. Like that is the last right. thing that you care about. Right. It's the first thing that you're going to replace on any instrument. Right. The last thing that you care about. Doesn't matter if the strings are rusty. Who cares? No. You can get new strings very easily.
1: Yeah, it doesn't make a difference, but it just tells you a story about where it's been. Yeah,
0: yeah. Tuners, on the other hand, mm-hmm. like, those are interesting. Now, you look, you checked out the tuning machines. and They were good. They're turning fine. Yep. They're, nice and
1: tight. Yeah
0: and even if they're not right one of the things that you can do is you know it doesn't take much to oil tuners you know just mm-hmm. a, a just a drop or two sometimes of of mineral oil will yep. will take care of that um worse like worse uh equipment you may actually have to as you're building the base back up mm-hmm. you may want to take the tuners off you know scrub them yep. uh you know scrub them off with you know something like uh um i find those um uh, what do you call it? Uh, spark plug brushes. The kind that you use oh, to, yeah. to clean spark plugs. Right. Sometimes, sometimes those are useful. You have to be careful though. Cause, uh, sometimes the tuners are like, if the, if the tuners are like, have a, if they're, if they're kind of like just crummy chrome mm-hmm. covered, like you can scratch that stuff off right. easily and make them look terrible. Yeah. Um, those are the kind of tuners that I would usually replace though. Right. If it were me. Um, that, that could be the worst case. But, you know, most cases you can take them off and just, you know, you can, again, like a Brillo pad or something like that, you can usually get them in, in right. good shape when you take them take them apart. Um, so that's something to look at, you know, whether or not you need to do anything with. And, and the key is just because the tuners are old, they, you know, maybe they have some spots or something on them, that is absolutely no reason to take them off and mess with them. If they are tuning well, if they turn smoothly in both directions – doesn't matter. I think it's kind of cool right. to have a base that has like they have old, like old looking yep. hardware. It's right, kind of cool in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and the bridge in your case, right? Mm-hmm. That was one thing we also noticed is that the bridge had like there was a bunch of um, looks like some debris in it, and maybe mm-hmm. even like some residue of something like maybe a. It was hard to tell whether it was like some cleaner or white paint or something that was yeah. stuck on it or something.
1: Yeah, there was some like residue kind of everywhere. It felt yeah. like someone tried to do some cleaning with the wrong product yeah. or something. Yeah. So, so there's something there. There was a story yeah. behind that.
0: Yeah, and it's hard to kill a bridge like that. I mean, a br- it's basically like there are some springs on it. I mean, you want to mm. check that the springs are in good shape. They're not rusted out. Yeah. Um, you want to make sure there's not rust on the bridge itself. And assuming there's not, again, you can get, like, metal solvents and cleaners yeah. that you can use to clean those because, you know, they're usually just stainless steel. Right. Right. It's cheap. And, you know, it's what a lot of the makers use. Um, you know, encourage the readers to go, you know, look up the, the instrument that you're working on and make sure mm-hmm. you know what it is. So we're not telling you just, you know, use any old thing there. But um, typically it's, it's stainless steel. Yeah. The other thing I was going to say is regarding the strap pins. Right. Um, that was another thing you mentioned that you were going to do,
1: right? Yeah. Yeah, I was going to do... Um, because one of them... So the one on the body, it didn't... Like, I looked at it because it, there wasn't one. Like, yeah. There wasn't a pin. No, and it, but it and looked it okay, though. Yeah, it didn't look like it was torn out or it was smashed out. No. Yeah. It just wasn't there.
0: No. Yeah, it looked like somebody just unscrewed it, like they were going to do something and then like thought better of it. Yeah. Or... It's very possible that the guy at some point put strap locks in it and lost one of the pins when he went back to replace it. Right, because you know the the, the harder thing. I don't know about everybody else mm-hmm. out there, but it the 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 part of the strap locks that you get that you the pin that you put in your base, the part that you screw right. in the base, those are the things that are worth gold. Right, right. I have. I, I have like a dozen of the parts that go on straps because I don't have that many straps. I have more right. bases than straps. Right. And so I keep mm-hmm. buying these mm-hmm. for the pins, and then I have like extra strap pieces. Right. <laughs> Speaking of which, <laughs> we should probably put something out there. We should do like a contest for the practical <laughs> base <laughs> listeners. It's like right in. And we'll you know Send us whatever self-addressed stamped <laughs> envelope like they used to do in the old days. <laughs> we'll send you like the other side of Dunlop the the other- lock strap locks. <laughs> Not the useful part that goes in your base. We'll send you the part for your strap. It's something. <laughs> Look for that contest coming up soon, kids. <laughs> oh my god. Mm. Yeah, but that's yeah. so. Anyway, that was a you know kind of a walk around the whole instrument. I mean, I think yeah. the thing that we we kind of glossed over here. You know, I don't want to be unfair to the listeners. You know, the one thing I think we glossed over is probably the the thing about the electronics. That's where. You know, it can get a little, it can get a little, um, you know, that can get a little more, more on the next difficulty level, right? It's easy to do things like replace knobs, strap pins, um, tuners. All of these things are things that you can buy replacement parts on the internet. Yeah. And literally just replace them yourself. Um, when you start talking about things like the nut
1: or, Mm -hmm. right,
0: or or the electronics or, Making the instrument a string through, like you are talking about, right? That is the next level, you know, and probably like each right. one of those projects could easily consume a, you know, an episode, yeah. And, and I, yeah, I don't, I don't know if we're gonna, I don't know if but, we're but gonna you, follow your your adventure here, but you know, right. we could end, we could easily end up doing that this. It this may,
1: summer. Yeah. it may or may not, depending on my my patience with it. Yeah, yeah, you know, because I may just look at this because it's it's also like all right, I picked this thing up for. A buck 40. I, I could just do a quick cleanup, do a couple of hardware yeah. changes, and it's great. Yeah. Right. Or I could get to that point where, you know, do you, um, because, you know, I have friends that are guitar players and they get into right. like the modding it out. Like they just right. find the right body, the right neck, and then they go mod crazy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And
1: you could do that also. Right. Like yeah. you, could soup, you could soup up a couple pieces of wood.
0: There's, I mean, yeah. There's a million things that you could do with a beater bass, and mm-hmm. so, and you don't I, see yeah. that. Like, I think, the, to me,
1: the cool thing is that, like, I don't think you see that a lot with bassists. Yeah. yeah, in general. Yeah, you don't. I, I mean, and it's you, not that they're not out there, but like in general, you kind of see like bassists have like their bass, and right. You
0: know. Or some of them, you know, they'll buy like you know crazy custom built bases and things mm-hmm. like that. Like that's what they go for. But yeah, I think you're right. Like I haven't seen a whole lot of people do project bases the way i right. see them do project guitars but i guess yeah you know our purpose here is to tell you guys the listeners out there um and i'm always saying you guys you folks because we're very inclusive here i just want to make sure that you guys know i am envisioning both male and female bassists in my head right
1: mm-hmm. now. it's that if you say the other then it's like you guys and gals yeah which then it's a musical
0: yeah yeah it seems like a yeah it definitely feels like very like, a, like song. And, and hammerstein <laughs> yeah that spells trouble with a capital T. Like, <laughs> any minute we're going to burst into song. Um, until there was you. <laughs> anyway, uh, anyway, but you our, could. But our f- point is to you, audience members out there, is that these are things that you can do. It don't be afraid to buy that beater bass because you never know. Like you could end up with something that you can turn into like your Cinderella dream right instrument. That's the point. With a, you know, a couple hundred more dollars yeah. and a, you know, and and some elbow grease on your part, don't be afraid of the yep. work. You know, it it is all doable. It's all and if you for whatever reason don't feel comfortable with a certain operation, I can guarantee you that anywhere that you're living within reason, there is probably a luthier or a guitar tech mm-hmm. near you who can take care of that kind of thing, right? Um, not just limited to the you know, the big box stores, you can find independent guys who will do this work for you out there. Yep. So reach out to the community near you and find out who do they recommend, right? If you've got a musician's message board, whether it's on Facebook or some other social media, Mm -hmm. don't be afraid to ask like who here has had work done by a guitar tech nearby who could do the following things. Who do you guys recommend? And Yep. You know, listen to the answers and go out and check out some of these folks because there are great independent techs out there. I've had I've had a couple of my instruments at this point mm-hmm. done by a nearby um tech up in well, it's not that nearby. He's like 50 miles from here, mm-hmm. but I was happy to drive it cuz he does amazing work.
1: Yeah. And for me, like when I think about this, I I kind of wish like I could dial back 10, 15 years where maybe I wasn't buying the best quality bases yeah. but I felt like I was capped with my budget. Yeah. Like, why didn't I just hold out for that one find that just needed work? Yeah. Yeah. Don't be afraid to explore that because the option's out there. Right. You can do it.
0: Right. It's not all about like buying, you know, spending $1,000 or $2,000 on a brand new instrument. Sometimes you can find like a $300 or $200, Mm -hmm. you know, what like a, a diamond in the rough. That's right. You know, and turn it into a real diamond. Yep. With a little bit of work.
1: Just when you see that perfect, like, vintage instrument, stop off at the local pawn shop.
0: <laughs> Take a detour On the way first. home.
1: <laughs> Just trust me. Don't worry about it. Them's see good that.
0: advice. Them's good advice. Well, that seems like a good place to stop for today. Um, yeah, this has been an enjoyable conversation. We will keep you guys updated on um, how Dave is coming along with his project. Uh, we'll do that through... Um, most likely through our social sites where we can reach everybody instantly. Um, You can find us on Facebook, on Instagram, Google Plus, Twitter. You can also find us on our website, practicalbase.com, and we're happy to take email from you as well if you hit us at podcast at practicalbase.com. Dave and I uh, see all that email, and we read everything we get. We love to hear from listeners, so do not uh, be shy about reaching out to us. We love to hear from you and, and we try to respond personally to everything. Um, and if you are interested in hearing more of this podcast, it's really easy to subscribe. Go to practical slash subscribe, or you can look us up on Apple podcasts on your iPhone or iTunes on your Mac OS device on Google play music or on stitcher radio on any platform or just about any podcatching app that's out there. Just search for Practical Bass and you'll find our black and white friendly logo. And if you click the subscribe link, you'll get a free weekly episode delivered straight to you. No muss, no fuss. And each week we'll be exploring a topic of interest to you, the working bass player, to help you uh, get your gigs and gear to the next level. So we look forward to speaking with you again. And until then, I'm Paul Frields. And I'm Dave Guzman. This has been Practical Bass. Thanks for listening. <sighs> yeah, I guess. All right. Something's got to be in there. Let's just go. I have to go to the bathroom. I'm sorry. Oh, you have to go. <laughs> you, you really have to go. I do. Sorry. Okay. Go I ahead. forgot to do that today.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I just it just dawned on me. I was
0: like oh oh I got to go. Go. It was, a, it was a checklist. Well yeah.
1: It was a checklist item
0: <laughs> that I forgot to check off. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>